Aging is nothing to be ashamed of, especially when the entire race is in it together, although sometimes it feels that she alone among her friends wants to celebrate getting older, because it's such a privilege to not die prematurely. We're doing fine, I'm doing fine. Welcome to We're Doing Fine, book club edition. I'm Lisa. And I'm Robbie. And this week, we, this month, we read Girl, Woman, Other by Bernadine Evaristo. <laughs> Though, let's be real, it was really this week we read it. I have two things of note to tell you all. First of all, it is 7am here, so you've got a husky-voiced Robbie today. Second of all, my Wi-Fi is crap, so I keep losing Lisa. Oh no! Well, Robbie, would you like to give us a quick description of what the book was about? Because this month we read Girl, Woman, Other by Bernadine Evaristo, as you said said before. Yeah, I feel like you maybe missed that because of the Wi-Fi, <laughs> but I, I, like the, I like the save there. Yeah, so really quickly, this is a collection of stories. They're not short stories because um, they all sort of amalgamate at the end, but each chapter is a... Uh, uh, sort of like a short clip into the life of a different woman and they're all loosely tied together um as they all sort of prepare for Amma's um new new play to be debuted. Um Yeah. And it's a really interesting glimpse into the sort of multifaceted um concept of women. Um and then at the end you see how all of these people sort of come together in life at an after party. Yeah. And it was a very interesting book. Very, very interesting book to read. Definitely. I really enjoyed it. Um, And I was kind of like surprised by like just how varied and different all of the perspectives were. And I, I appreciated that part. And like getting this glimpse into everyone's different lives. I like... It, I don't know about you, but I kept wanting more. Like once we got to the point where it was switching, I was like, "Oh no, I want, I want to know what happens next with this person." Yeah, and I think the one thing I would absolutely credit Bernadine Evaristo for is the absolute ability to make such unique sounding voices yes. and characters. I couldn't do that as a writer. I couldn't do that. All of my characters sound exactly the same. <laughs> I can only really write in third person. Like, Well, I mean, like, we've also just had other books where we've had a collect, like, an ensemble of characters that have all sounded the same in the past. And this was just a masterclass in how to yeah. create such diversity of opinions and diversity of voices. Yeah, it was really, really clever. Really clever. Like, especially um, when it comes to, like, some of them, like, it really gives you a lot of, like, generational differences in the tones, like, with calling, like, everyone, like, FF for, like, take, yeah, like, just, like, the little things that they would add to just give the characters more life. Yeah, yeah. And just the difference of, um, sorry, at this point we should probably say the spoiler warning, so if you haven't read it and you've just heard us talk about it and think, man, I want to read that, pause us here. Go and read it, Girl, Woman, Other by Bernadine Evaristo, and then come and join us. We'll be waiting here for you, okay? Right, go. All right, they're back. Okay, so spoilers ahead. Um, I really loved, 
as you said, the sort of generational differences, but how you could, it, like, it wasn't too obvious, it was very subtle, mm. but it was so there. Like, right at the start, the difference between Ama and Yaz. Oh my gosh, was yeah. was just, I thought that was really clever. No, was it Yaz that kept, I just got confused, and I think, like, I made the mistake of starting an audiobook while, like, going out on an outdoor walk and being a little bit distracted and, like... She kept referring to her mom as a gentrifier, and I'm like, girl, how? Yeah. Girl, how? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, there was there was good examples of, like, you know, she would complain about the wine bar, the new wine bar that opened in the neighborhood that she took Yaz to when Yaz finished her A-levels, you know? Yeah. So, you know, it's things like, like she maybe didn't gentrify it herself, but she low-key supported it while being vocal to her friends about not enjoying it or not liking it um, and Yaz was a as as the younger generation are we're like well you're a hypocrite because you did that once yeah definitely and it's like listen it's it's not that easy okay <laughs> there's not that many nice wine bars to go to Jesus absolutely not enough wine bars <laughs> not enough wine bars give us more LGBT people of color wine bars I say as someone who doesn't really drink wine that's fine I also live on a street with like 18 different breweries, but I don't drink beer. <laughs> As someone that will drink literally anything with an alcohol content in it, more wine bar. Come visit me yeah. again. <laughs> yeah. We yeah, we only went to that... Did we even go to a brewery? We were outside a brewery when we went for that old duck. Oh yeah, I don't think... I don't... I'm so sorry. I think you were just too full of actual food <laughs> to eat, to drink a beer. Actual food, yeah, constantly. Constantly eating, yeah. <laughs> I'm okay with that. Right, well, Lisa, we have a ton of listener questions, and since this is a sort of celebration of all things women, I thought I'd take the lead on this one. Oh, how gentlemanly. And give you a chance to discuss. I know. I Wait, is that is this maybe, like, not the point of me taking charge? <laughs> I'm going to do it anyway. I can't overthink it. I'm trying to do a good thing. So, Lisa, Callum has asked... Who were some of your favorite of the narrators and why? Oh, that is that is a good question. And it's so hard. They were all so different. Um, I really enjoyed, well, I really enjoyed hearing Dominique's story. Like, it was a really sad story, but, like, I really liked seeing her leave that. Um, and then I also really enjoyed Bumi. Like, Bumi and Hattie, the older women, like, you know, the matriarchs of their family and just, like, seeing how they struggled and seeing how they, like, didn't let that happen for the next generation or, you know, supported the next generation or overcame, you know, the things that they grew up with to better support their children. So I really enjoyed seeing, like, the older women, the matriarchs of these families. Nice. How about you? Um, I have to agree with you about Dominique. I thought that was a really sad one. Um... And it was really fascinating to see how she sort of dealt with that. It was, yeah, like it was weird as an outsider to be like, oh, you're joining a cult. Oh, yeah. you've got a controlling girlfriend. Oh, no, <laughs> please, please back away. Um, was quite, um, it was quite tragic just to read as it unfolded. Um, but you know me, I love a controversial take. Yeah. I think um, Shirley, the... Um, the sort of traditional Loki homophobe, mm-hmm. but her best friend's a lesbian, was very fascinating to right? me. Right? Like, that one, that one was 
a read. I think that was one of my favorites. <laughs> yeah, it was such a stark difference from like a lot of the other women in the group, right? Just because like she had yeah such a different mindset than so many of the other women because a lot of them were just so open and so like, you know, extroverted and about learning new things. And then Shirley was just very closed off. She was very set in her ways, which... Yeah, but I think, again, like, I was just going to say, again, like, a credit to Bernadine Evaristo for, for keeping, you know, for, for realising that the spectrum of womanhood also includes that sort of attitude. Yeah, absolutely. Um, And, you know, I think it's very um easy when we're writing books like this to sort of only highlight the good aspects mm-hmm. of, you know, women, gay people, LGBT community, um pick your minority that you're writing about and you always want to sort of write them in a good light and maybe that's because we feel like we have to represent the whole community yeah in a good way but i thought bernadine every sort of did an incredible job of just sharing truth instead of yeah what we want to show off if that makes sense yeah and also like because bernadine or because because shirley is so like stagnant as a character it really, it really gives you mixed feelings when her mother, Winsome, in the next, you know, few chapters, sleeps with Shirley's husband, and you're like, "What the fuck?" Like, yeah, good for you, Winsome, but also, what the fuck? But also, poor Shirley. But also, just I don't know. It, it, it really conflicted me. <laughs> yeah. Is, is is messy, but in like the best, juiciest way of reading a book. <laughs> Definitely. <laughs> okay, Amy has a question for you. Okay. No, sorry, I've skipped one from Callum. I'm so sorry. How dare. Callum has asked, yeah, I'll bow out of this question for obvious reasons. How did you feel about the representation of men in the novel? And how did it make you feel? Oh, I think this is the most important one for you to answer ravi um <laughs> oh, we both know men are trash no. <laughs> um was that the right answer lisa oh yes. yeah, yeah yeah no um i don't know i think they gave a wide berth of men in the novel but like more often than not they were the oppressor or the person who leaves or you know the person maintaining the status quo we see a lot of absent fathers and we see a lot of like untrustworthy men and like in that right you really only see a couple different versions of men like even the one Mm. that seem perfect like shirley's husband end up doing this horrendous betrayal of their trust so i will say i think my oh sorry oh no you go i was just gonna say i think my favorite depiction and it was so vague um and it was one of the verses so i'll put my hands up i started this book and really enjoyed it and then had to study for my theory test so then had to skim the end of it in like the last week so like a lot of it is a bit of a blur but one of my favorite ones was right at the start with dominique when she was moving to the women's only commune Mm -hmm. and men were just like male was just a sort of like a shadow figure you're not allowed in yeah you're not allowed to bring men here and if you have men here you get chucked out you have to go i just thought that was like the um such a raw concept of man yeah no it was definitely a very stark concept and like but it makes sense in the worlds that these characters are living in like none of them are really Mm -hmm. ever that good like the one good representation we get 
is Yaz's dad, and he's a gay man. Well, we are the best. Yeah. Sorry about that. Oh, and Carol's Carol's uh, husband, and I think Boomy's husband. I think they're pretty decent, but, like, they don't get much note aside from, like, the fact that they're, like, easygoing and don't cheat. <laughs> yeah. Which really is all we Who can ask are they? for. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Apparently. Okay, good answer. We like it. <laughs> Okay, so as I said, Amy has a question for you. Thank you, Amy, and thank you, Kat. How do you feel? Yeah, thank you, guys. How do you feel about Evaristo's depiction of lesbians throughout the book? Does it change from narrator to narrator? Do you see any tropes being used? Um, I mean, I think there were a lot of heavy tropes at the beginning, right? Like you have the theatrical lesbians, like the kind of like butch revolutionary feminists. Um, yeah. And then you have... Uh, Dominique's girlfriend, who was like the abject butch, right? Like trope to a T, to mm. the but it, with the exception that she was like abusive, which isn't great. Um, but I think like as you move forward throughout the book, like every character gets more and more nuanced, especially when it comes in regards to their sexuality. Like Bumi, or Bumi, one of the older women, like had a gay relationship but like they were ashamed of their i'm pretty sure it was boomy um they were like ashamed of their their gay relationship so they ended up like pushing it back because they didn't feel like you know they were capable of that and they felt ashamed because of like the church and things like that um then you have you know shirley who's kind of homophobic and then you have morgan and their partner and, like, a whole different version of what lesbians look like, right? Like, that's a whole mm -hmm. different kind of queer relationship than your standard lesbians. So I think it, it did a Those good... standard lesbians. Yeah, standard lesbians. <laughs> <laughs> but, like, I think it did a good job of creating a lot of nuance. And especially in that last, like, in the after party, right? They have these discussions and you kind of see the old guard meeting the new guard. And, you know, in Morgan's chapters, she's talking... They talk about Yaz and like how Yaz is like, oh, how woke will it be? I'm going to be non-binary too. And Morgan's like, cool your jets. Um, <laughs> that's not how this works. Yeah. Um, but you also have, I, I don't know. I just think it, it, then you have like Dominique, who is this old guard lesbian, old guard lesbian uh, feminist. Um, and she won't let trans people in her, in, in her uh, festival. Which is really fucked up. And like, Carol's like, or Emma's like, yeah, no, we have to move with the time. Like, that's why it's so great that I have this daughter who's a raging feminist. Like, she keeps me on my toes. Mm. So I think it's a, just a really good rounded group of perspectives. Yeah. Again, just goes back to um, Bernadine Everisto's absolute talent for creating so many different voices. Absolutely. Um, okay, Amy has a second question, which I've sort of touched on mm -hmm. um, earlier. So, um, what were your thoughts on Shirley considering Amma one of her best friends while also being a bit homophobic? Do you think that carries through some of the reasons people don't seem to like her? Yeah, like, throughout her chapters, like, Shirley just... Shirley is just unlikable. <laughs> <laughs> and I think it's just because she's a bit of a stick in the mud. She's kind of stuck in her ways. Um, and I do find it a bit fascinating. Like, she's one of those, like, it's fine as long as I don't have to see it, people. Mm. Which... Like me with straight people. Yeah, exactly. Mm. You with vaginas, Robbie. <laughs> well, exactly. They're fine like, as long as... <laughs> I know it's there, but I just don't need to see it. 
<laughs> like, I know it exists. Just don't whip it out. In theory, it's there. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but like... Schrodinger's vagina. <laughs> isn't that all of them? Apparently. Um, Do you have a cat? No, I'm sorry. I'm a cat. I can't. <laughs> called a pussy robbie <laughs> oh yeah <laughs> but uh sorry amy had a very important yes. question but also i think mm. it would be really hard to maintain a close friendship and i think she the reason like a lot of these people that she considers her friends kind of keep her at an arm's length or don't fully accept her is because she's doing the same right She's keeping them at, yeah. a, at an mm-hmm. arm's length like i don't want to hear about it i don't want to hear about your gay threesomes I'm not willing to yeah. listen or give my thoughts on that part of your life, which is a huge part of someone's life. Exactly. But like your friend has two partners and that's something that you need to just like be cool with to be their exactly. friend. Exactly. Yeah. So I think um, I think it, it definitely is um, some of the reason why people don't like it is if you're if you're going to keep people at distance, they're going to do the same thing. Exactly. Was that mansplaining? Did I just summarize your point for you? I think it's summarizing and not mansplaining. I think you're good. I'm too tired. Oh for man, this you're really so. just on edge with this one. <laughs> I yeah. I mean, I'm aware of my privilege. Okay. <laughs> well, I think you'll be able. That to... was the buzzword, right? No. Yeah. I think you'll be able. That, to that be was a good. joke about Yazzie's chapter, by the way. No, um, I'm not being. I'm not being. What's the word? <laughs> Passive aggressive about feminism. <laughs> <laughs> I hope by now you. Oh no, I am a feminist. Very good. Thank you. Lisa told me to say that. <laughs> scripted. <laughs> yeah. Lisa's like, could you stop outing the script, please? Thank you. <laughs> um, okay, we have a question from Chris. Um, Chris has said. White people only have to represent themselves, not an entire race. That's a quote from the book. She said, we often expect to see... um, BIPOC. BIPOC. Is that how you say that? I wasn't sure if I had to say each letter individually. I think BIPOC individuals represent their communities. Thank you. See, well, we say LGBT. We don't say LGBT. Yeah. Um, We often often expect to see BIPOC individuals represent their communities. How do you think they're... This affects their identities as individuals, or conversely, does this have a negative effect on white communities? Jesus, Chris, you're asking the big questions. <laughs> but the it's, important it's one. Almost eight a.m. I know, here. Chris is in the. This yeah, is the sure. middle of the night. For sure. <laughs> <laughs> um, I mean, we all know how white people get when they're representing their communities, right? Um, that aside, mm. <laughs> we're representing the white community. Um. But I think we do this, you know, to gay people as well. I think any minority kind of has that burden on their shoulders, um, like where you have to represent all of that, per- all of that group to like prove that, you know, they're not all assholes. <laughs> they're like their assumptions yeah. can't be correct because you aren't part of those assumptions. Yeah. And while I think this gives like no, a, I-, I agree. Yeah. And I think it gives a stronger sense of community and like, I don't think that necessarily wears away of people as individuals. I think it wears down the community's sense of that, like the community's ability to treat people like individuals, you know? If you're always a representative, Mm. then I I don't know how to explain it. Like every person has to be a representative. So every person has to be a model, right? Rather than like... Yeah, no, I get it. Like, I I, I mean, I, I think I get what you're saying. Um for me it's like i sometimes struggle to know if i'm being authentic or if i'm 
putting on being gay because I've been told too many times that people would never guess that I was gay. Mm-hmm. Um, and that annoys me. So then I'll try and be more gay, I guess. And that is also problematic because I'm like, okay, how do I represent being gay? What does that look like? Yeah, it's playing Who am I stereotypes, sir. Yeah. So it's like, and then, yeah, it's messy. It is messy. Can I ask you, feel free to cut this out if you're not comfortable answering this. Mm-hmm. How do you, um, how do you feel about this as a biracial person? I think it's really hard because, like, I am not an obvious biracial person, um, if that makes sense. Like, at least for the area that I live in, I'm fairly white passing. And, like... Mm, yeah, you have talked about that before in the podcast. Yeah, and I think, like, as far as, like... I don't, I don't think the burden of representation really falls on me because I don't really look like the stereotypical Sri Lankan or, like, South Indian, right? Or South Asian, like... Mm. I get people asking about, you know, what I am, which is fairly insulting, but like, it's always more of like a, huh, okay, so, so I, that's not necessarily a burden that I really carry. And does that, like, is that frustrating to a point where like people don't expect you to, to know or represent because of how passing you are? Um, I think like in some ways it is just because it's one of those situations of you'll never be enough for either one. Um, mm. so it's, it's more of a sense of displacement rather than a sense of like community. Cause I'm not really part of either, you know? I get that. If it helps, you are enough for me. Oh, thank you. Yeah. You can tell me all about Sri Lanka. Thank you. You could be a bit more gay. I will try. <laughs> as soon as we finish recording, I will go suck a massive penis. Perfect. And then scream, yes, queen. Okay. I'm sorry. <laughs> Okay, before Lisa makes any more disparaging comments about my sexuality, um, we have one final question from Lauren. Thank you, Lauren. Yes, Lauren thank you. says the story. Yes, the story comes to a close at the after party of the last Amazon of Dahomey. Do you feel like the play connected with each other, with each character in the novel? Did you feel like it was like that was an appropriate setting to connect these characters. So I really struggled reading there. I'm so sorry if I butchered your question, Lauren. I'm sure she'll be accepting. It was a long one, but it was a good one. Thank you, Lauren. Um, so I actually did some research as to like who the last Amazon of Dahomey was. And she was like a matriarch and she was fabled to have lived to be a hundred years old. Um, you know, this the last of this great warrior race. And like, while I feel it kind of connects, but to like characters like Hattie, I feel like it also just kind of, I I feel like it connects all of these characters in a way of like, she wasn't actually the last. They're reviving the Amazon race, right? Like, or the Amazon tribe or group um, through, through this play. And they're all carrying on that legacy. Like that. Wrap it up nicely. <laughs> and how did you feel? Yeah. Well, I was just going to say, how did you feel about the characters meeting together and at the after party? Did that feel natural to you? Like, did all the different character, like voices that we heard from, did it make sense that they were at the after party for um for Amma's show? Um, the only one that I felt like was a bit of a stretch was Carol, but <laughs> but I think mm-hmm. it was necessary to have that last like awkward interaction between her and Shirley. But I'm glad yeah. like they didn't shoehorn every single one in there. Like Hattie wasn't there, but Morgan was. So yeah, I think they did. I, I think it was done very well. 
And then you got to have that last moment mm. with Hattie and Penelope. And that was just like beautiful. And I almost teared up. Oh, Lisa, you be softy. <laughs> How did you feel? Well, I won't let you mull it over for too long. No, I, I, I agree. I think it was, um, it was, it was a very, what's the word? Satisfactory mm-hmm. connection. Like, you know, when you're just like, you're waiting for the moment. I had a, I had a feeling that was going to happen because obviously I've got a contents at the start of my physical copy of the book. So it was kind of one of the things that kept me going was I was like, I want to see all these people interact together properly. Um, and it, it was satisfactory. It not satisfactory. It was satisfaction. It was um, satisfying, like a big sigh of relief. Yeah, yeah, that was the one. That's the word. Is there early? Um, no, I I really liked it. I really thought it was quite clever. Um, yes, right, Lisa. Who was your favorite character? Oh gosh, um, that's a hard one. Um, I think it's. I could go first. Yeah, you go. Mine first. was easy. I've I've already talked about mine. Is Shirley? Shirley. It was just, you know me, I like not enjoying, and I like not liking someone, you know? That's fair. That's fair. Mm-hmm. So that was my favorite to read about. You're wild. I know. Um, I think my favorite was Boomy. Cute. I just respect her so much. <laughs> That's fair. She was a single mom. She worked too hard, who loved her kids and never stopped. Oh. <laughs> Robbie. How many stars would you give this one? I know I gave last month's a five, but I'm also going to give this one a five. (gasps) I'm getting soft in my old age. This one was just really good. You are. Okay, just to keep us grounded, I'm going to go for a four. Okay, respect. Yeah, not enough teen gay heartthrobs for me. (laughs) You know, fair. There was only one and he was kind of old. (laughs) Yeah, not not my vibe. Yeah, I want to relive my youth. No, I'm kidding. Um, okay. Well, no well, chance that's in it that for next February's book. <laughs> no, none of that. None of that. Although I am very excited to read this. Yeah. It's been on my list. Would you like me to give you a drum so, roll then? Um. Oh my god. Let me try and remember the title. If you're in the book, I've got it here. Got it here. Yeah, I was gonna say if you're in the doc, it, it's yep. there. I'm in it. Okay. Yeah. Give me a drum roll, please. All right. And the selection for March is. I'm Glad My Mum Died by Jeanette McCurdy. Happy International Women's Day. (laughs) (laughs) I'm honestly, I'm so excited to read this. This has been on my list for a while since it came out. Yeah, I'm excited. Yeah. All right, Robbie, it is past midnight and I have work tomorrow, so... Yep, and I want to go back to bed again before work today. So thank you guys for joining us for Book Club. As always, um, socials are below. We don't do the rest of the stuff, but just um, join us. Email us about books. Email us your questions. Send us your voice clips to wearedoingfine at gmail.com. Yes, please. But yeah, but that is it from us for this month. So until next month, keep, keep reading, reading fine. fine. Are you?